You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. So I put on my t-shirt because uh, this series was born from a t-shirt, and I'll, I'll tell that story as we get started. Uh, about a year ago, we were in staff meeting, and we just got to talking about stuff, and somebody said, like, we need some, we need some church merch. Like, we need, some, we need some swag. That's what you guys were commenting on online. Like, we need some stuff that says Murray Hills. Like, we need t-shirts or mugs or stickers or something. Like, we need something for, for the church. And so... Uh, Scott, who's our resident graphic designer, were like, well, yeah, design us something. Like, design us a t-shirt. And I had seen a t-shirt that another church had done that just said, love your neighbor. And it didn't have the church name on the front or anything. It just said, love your neighbor. And I, I really liked that design. So I had mentioned something to Scott. Like, I kind of like just a phrase. If we just pick some type of phrase to put on it, I think that'd be cool. And so he designed a shirt that said, love and justice. And he sent it to me and said, what do you think? And I was like, looks great. Yeah, yeah, that looks like a good-looking shirt. Let's, let's do it. And he said, well, let me check with a few people first. Let me just kind of put some feelers out there and see what people think about it. And so he put some feelers out. I don't know who he checked with, but he, he checked with a bunch of people in the church, just put some feelers out. And he came back to me and said, some people like it, and some people are a little worried about it. Like, it's the word justice. Like, they're going, oh, that feels controversial. It feels like the church is trying to make some type of political statement, or it's kind of like... I don't know, it's like tying it in with groups like Black Lives Matter or something. I don't know, just like people are worried about it, and I think maybe we just need to be careful. I was like, okay, well, let's just redesign it and just let it say Murray Hills Church, and we'll just take love and justice off of it if that's controversial. And like, yeah, that's so that's what we did. And end of story, we, we moved on. Maybe four or five months after that, uh, I ran into the same issue with the word justice, and it was a new organization that's being formed in Columbia. So uh, my buddy Trent Ogilvie and I have started a new nonprofit. We helped start a new nonprofit called the Columbia Peace and Justice Initiative. And this time the word justice was specifically about race because it was born out of the Stand Together Fellowship, and we were talking about how one of the injustices in our community is how African-American history has largely gone untold, especially an event that happened in 1946 that we're coming up on the 75th anniversary of this month that actually contributed to the national civil rights movement. Like, Columbia's got this really heroic story to tell, a national story to tell. It involves Thurgood Marshall and Eleanor Roosevelt and Z. Alexander Luby and all, and, and we just haven't told it. Like, it's a largely unknown story. And all of African-American history in our community is largely unknown. And so we said, we started this new organization to try to tell that story and to establish something in downtown Columbia that might tell that story. And we just settled on the name, the Columbia Peace and Justice Initiative. And it sounded like a good name to us. And we started getting the word out a little bit. We started asking people to join the board of directors and we started having public meetings about it. And then Trent called me about two weeks after that and said, I'm getting some pushback on this word justice. Like there's some people worried about calling it the Columbia Peace and Justice Initiative. Like, they're just thinking, like, oh, it just feels controversial. It feels like you guys are trying to make a political statement here. It's going to hurt donations. It's going to hurt PR. I don't know. I think maybe you ought to call it something different. And so I told him about our T-shirt. And I said, we had the same thing happen at our church. I said, let's get together and talk about it. So we had lunch uh, at Omega's Market. And 
Trent was like, you know, what are we going to, you know, how do we deal with this? You know, what, how do we address this topic? And uh, after talking for a few minutes, he said, I got a radical idea. So hang with me. It's radical. What we need is a good old-fashioned Bible study. Uh, we, we, need, we need to do a Bible study on the word justice because it's a shame that this word has been co-opted uh, politically. Like it's a shame that people have made this a political word and a controversial word because justice is not political and controversial. Justice is a biblical word. I mean, this is straight out of the Bible. God is a God of justice. He calls his people to be God, be people of justice. I mean, this is straight out of the word. So what we need is a Bible study. And so that's what we did. And Trent uh, did, uh, led our group, the Stand Together group, he led us through a Bible study of the word justice. And we looked at passages in the Old Testament, passages in the New Testament, and the concept of restorative justice as, as described in the Bible. And after that presentation, some of the folks that were uncomfortable with it came up to him and were like, I get it now. Like, I, I'm on board. I, get, I understand what you're trying to say. When you use that word justice, I understand what you mean, and I'm on board. And this series came from that Bible study. So as Trent was leading us through that Bible study, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I've never done a, a series on justice. I don't think we've ever talked about that at, at Murray Hills. We, we talked more about grace. You know, that's a, we, we've been a grace-oriented church, and we've talked about that really heavy, heavy. But I don't, I don't think I've ever done a series on justice, and I don't think I've ever really studied justice in the Bible that much. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure I know exactly what all the Bible has to say about justice. And so decided to do this series of love and justice. And it, it admittedly, it's an issue that uh, I've not spent a lot of time with. And you want to know why we got so many guest speakers in this series? It's because I'm asking for help. We're going to have five different guest speakers in this series because I'm asking for help for people. And some of them are elders and staff here at the church. And some of them are members at the church. And some of them just lead nonprofits uh, here in this community. And so I was like, let's do a series. We're going to call it Love and Justice. I recruited these five speakers. And then I called Scott Utter and said, reprint the T-shirts. <laughs> you know, Give me some Love and Justice T-shirts because we're going to revisit this theme. And the purpose of this series, I want to do two things through this series. Number one, I want us to better understand the concept of justice as taught in the Bible. And I want us to understand that so we can have a more informed faith. And then the second purpose is, I want us to better understand how we can practice justice in the 21st century. Uh, and I want us to have more informed action. So the way this is split up is the first half of the series is a Bible study about what the Old Testament and what the New Testament says about justice. And then the second half of the series is about how we can practice it in the 21st century. And we're going to talk about four different areas. We're going to talk about justice for the unborn. We're going to talk about justice for victims of uh, human trafficking. We're going to talk about justice for the poor. And we're going to talk racial justice. And I'll go ahead and warn you, you know as I read that list of topics, this series will make you uncomfortable at some point. If you are a left-leaning Christian, this series is going to make you uncomfortable. If you are a right-leaning Christian, <laughs> this series is going to make you uncomfortable. Okay, How could it not? That list of topics that I just read, how could it not? Because it goes across the political spectrum. And we tend to think politically now. So when you hear justice for the unborn, we're like, oh, that's a, that's a right-wing issue. That's a Republican issue. Or when we hear justice for racial justice, oh, that's a left-wing issue. That's a Democratic issue. Well, I, I don't care whose issue it is. 
Because we're not going to talk about right-wing or left-wing politics in this thing. We're going to talk about Jesus politics in this thing. Like, I I don't want to, this is not a political series in the sense that we're going to preach party politics. We're going to preach biblical justice in this series. So I don't, you know, I don't care what either wing thinks because I don't think either wing fully represents Christian values and Christian ideas. And I think if we're preaching biblical justice, we will, we will get at odds with both parties at some point. Okay, that's because when, when, Jesus, when you preach biblical justice, the way Jesus teaches it and the way the Old Testament teaches, we will get at odds with those parties. And that's okay because neither of those parties will save us and we serve neither of those parties. We are citizens of another kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we serve the king of heaven. And the whole point of this series is I want to know what he has to say about justice. And so we're going to start today in that. And I want to use the video that Trent used when he taught the group where this series was inspired to get started. He used a video from the Bible Project. And it's about a five-minute video. We used the Bible Project a lot when we went through our study. We read through the whole Bible together. We used the Bible Project. This is about a five-minute video that does a great little synopsis of what justice is according to the Word of God. So I want to start with this. Let's watch this together. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. 
It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But Mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free. But he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. It's to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So I, I think that's one of the best short summaries of justice from from a biblical perspective and what i love about the video is it defines the motivation for justice there are two motivations it mentions one of them is the image of god and one of them is the grace of god and i want to talk about both of those motivations and show you some scriptures this morning 
uh, that adds some, put some more meat on those bones, if you will. Uh, but first, let's define it. Okay, justice is defined as simply treating others equitably. That, that's what it means to, to, to practice justice or to seek justice. And the, the best summary is what the video ended with, Micah 6, 8. You know, he's showing you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We're very familiar with that passage. We, you know, it's a very comforting passage. We like that passage. But it is a passage from a prophet calling God's people to justice. And when you look at it at first, it seems like it's talking about three different things. And that's typically the way that we break it down. It's talking about justice, and it's talking about mercy, and it's talking about humility. Actually, what Micah is talking about is justice. Humility and love are a part of it. But if you, but if you look at the, the Hebrew, and I'm by no means a Hebrew scholar, but you heard in the video the Hebrew word for justice is mispah, which puts emphasis on the action. That's what it means to act justly. The Hebrew word for mercy is uh, uh, hezda, which puts emphasis on the motive behind the action. So the scholars, when they break down Micah 6.8, what they say is what, what he's basically doing is encouraging the people to do justice out of merciful love. In other words, justice is motivated by love. And what the prophet does is directly link the concepts of justice and love which would make a really good t-shirt if you think about it, <laughs> or it would make a really good sermon series. He's like, love should compel us to act justly, and justice should compel us to show mercy. Like, these are, these are all intertwined together. And then he goes into, we talk about the motivations for justice. Let's talk about those for just a minute. The first one is explained in the creation story. So uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 says God said let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground so God created mankind meaning humanity God created humanity in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them so we're created in the image of God. And there is a lot of theological weight in that little sentence right there. Because what he's saying is we're created. We are not accidents. We were created with intent and purpose. And we were created in the image of God. I looked up that word image this week. And that simply means to resemble or to represent. So humans are to resemble their creator. The created resemble the creator and we represent the creator. So we are God's representatives upon this earth and every person who has ever been created regardless of culture, regardless of race, regardless of economic uh, status, regardless of background, regardless of every person who has ever been created is created in the image of God and that truth alone should change the way that we see and practice justice because every person that we encounter is a fellow image bearer of God. And we should act just, all people should be treated equitably, so we should act justly towards all people. C.S. Lewis uh, put it this way, and I, and I love this quote right here. He says, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is as our life to a gnat. 
but it is immortals with whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. So you think about the way our, like we, we put great emphasis on nationalism. We put great emphasis on our culture. We put great emphasis on our civilization. And CS is saying, those things don't last. Those things are mortal. Civilizations don't last. Cultures don't last. Nations don't last. Rulers don't last. Those are, those are, those are mortal things. Immortal is humanity because humanity lasts because humanity is created in the image of God. And so if, if humans are eternal and humans are immortal, that's why we should desire justice because we want to spend time with all our fellow immortals. <laughs> and, and we want justice for all people. If all people are created in the image of God, then all people have equal value before God. Now, I just happened to be reading two books, and I didn't, I just, I'm reading these two books for fun. I didn't think that this had anything to do with this series, but one of them is, is called The Best Land Under Heaven, and it's about the Donner Party and Manifest Destiny. Some of you guys may be familiar with the story of the Donner Party. The other, our, our, our local president here, James K. Polk's mentioned a lot in that book. The other is uh, a Lakota history of Crazy Horse, and both of these books just kind of ended up intertwined together because they're about a specific period in American history like the mid-1800s when European Americans were taking the rest of the country, taking it away from Native Americans and taking it away from, from Mexico. And so manifest destiny, it is our right to have this country, it is our right to go all the way from New York to California and so there was, so, and I picked it up because I was interested in the Oregon Trail. I was interested in the immigration and like how that happened, and I've always been interested in the story of, of Native Americans, and that's why I was reading those books. But as I read those books with the concept of justice in my mind, I, I realized something, that in that time period, European Americans and European Christians or American Christians did not see Native Americans as people. They're called routinely throughout that. They're, they're barbarians, they're savages, they're uncivilized, they're, they're no better than animals. They did not see them as people. And because they did not see them as people, they felt free to commit all kind of injustices against them, to steal their land, to steal their livelihood, to steal their lives, uh, to steal their people. I mean, they, they, they felt free to commit injustice because they did not see Native Americans as fellow image bearers of God. They saw themselves as an elevated status to God, but these are barbarians and savages. And if you go through American history, Americans did not see Mexicans in that way. Americans did not see Africans in that way. We've got a long, brutal history with the sin of racism and the sin of slavery and, you know, from the 1600s all the way to the mid-1900s that we did not see somebody just simply because of the color of their skin. We did not see them as a fellow image bearer of God. And I look at that and go, well, they were just a product of their times or, you know, it was just a, it was, it was a different time period. And, you know, it was a failure to see other human beings as human beings. And when we see other human beings as human beings, we are compelled to act justly towards them. That's why this, this Genesis chapter 1 is the foundation of justice. We are image bearers of God. And as image bearers of God, we're compelled to do justice. You want to know why the prophets emphasize justice so much? It's because of that reason. And there's over 200 references of the word justice in the Old Testament. It's a major theme throughout the Old Testament, especially with the major and the minor prophets. But the second motivation, and the video talked a little bit about this too, the second motivation is God's grace. So we know, as New Testament Christians, we know that we're saved by the grace of God. I mean, we, we preach that, teach that all the time. We are saved freely by the grace of God. 
Uh, and, and that is the only way that we are saved. It's not from works so that any of us can boast. We're saved, you know, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, you know, we're saved by grace through faith. And uh, Romans 3, 23, you know, for, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are freely justified by his grace. We're freely justified by the grace of God. And so we know those passages well. But there's other passages in the New Testament that say, if we're freely justified by grace, if we're saved by grace through faith, then that leads to a certain type of life. That leads to, to like grace motivates us, the grace of God motivates us to practice justice and righteousness. And one of the, the most forceful places that says that is where the brother of Jesus writes in his book, James chapter 2 beginning in verse uh, 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now what James is saying there. Now, we usually read this passage and we get into arguments about faith and works. And what's the role of works and what's the role of faith? But, but really, if you want to put it in the context of, of justice, what James is saying in this passage is grace should make us just. Like the grace of God should motivate us because we, we were saved by, freely by the grace of God and we didn't deserve it. And God treated us in a certain way that we didn't deserve. And the grace of God should then motivate us to seek justice for everybody around us. To seek justice, especially for the disadvantaged. Because that's what James takes him to task for. You say you have faith, and that's good. But faith alone is not good enough. Faith should motivate us to do justice and to do good deeds. And that was obviously a major concern of Jesus as well. And we'll get into that when I talk about justice in the New Testament. I want to get into the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus, that was one of the things that he did that... that was so compelling was that he sought justice for disadvantaged people groups in his day and time. And that was one of the things that drew people to him. Jesus also taught justice. And we don't like to talk about this much. We don't like this parable much. But Jesus basically says, if you're not practicing justice, can you really claim salvation? And the, you know the parable I'm talking about. It's Matthew chapter 25. It is called, we call it the parable of the sheep and the goats. And it's where Jesus said, you know, that on the last day, on the day of judgment, that the king, referring to himself, will separate the sheep from the goats. And the sheep will be on his right hand, and the goats will be on his left hand. Left hand. And he will say to the sheep, come and take the inheritance, which has been promised you since the beginning of time. Come and take your inheritance, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was without clothes and you clothed me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when did we do that? Like, when, when did we see you hungry and give you something to eat? Or when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? Or when did we, we see you without clothes and give you clothes? Or when did we see you sick and care for you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? And Jesus will say to them, truly, I tell you, whenever you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And then he'll say to those on his left, away from me, depart from me, for you never knew me. Because I was hungry and you did not feed me. And I was thirsty and you did not give me something to drink. And I was sick and you did not 
care for me. And I was in prison and you did not visit me. And I was without clothes and you did not clothe for me. And again, they'll say, but Lord, when did, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you in prison or sick or without clothes? And he'll tell them, very truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Jesus very clearly says, grace will make us just. And that's what we're going to talk about together as we study through this, is that these two things together, the image of God, we are created in the image of God to be image bearers and representatives of God. And we are saved by the grace of God. And because we are created in His image and because we are saved by His grace, we should, as His people, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with Him. Pray with me, please. Father, your word is, is so clear on this issue. And, uh, and I'm sorry that we as Christians have allowed other groups to take this word away from us. <laughs> I mean, this is, justice is, is at your heart. And uh, grace is at your heart. And, and as, as your people, we should be people who seek and who practice love and justice. And yes, that makes us uncomfortable sometimes. And, and yes, it puts us in situations where... Um, maybe we're at odds with a particular party or we're at odds with a particular part of our culture because we seek justice. But, Father, we have to do it. We, we just have to do it because it's what you call us to. And so I'm thankful for uh, the example of the prophets who taught and challenged the nation of Israel to practice and to seek justice. And that challenge still comes down through the years to us today. And I'm thankful for the example of your son, Jesus, who taught the same things. And not only taught the things, but Jesus actually showed us what it looks like in practice. Shows it what it looks like to, to lift up uh, those who might be disadvantaged or to lift up uh, those who are marginalized in his culture. And we look to do the same thing in our culture today. Um, for we, the only way we can do this is through your son, Jesus. And so I pray for... Uh, his strength to be with us, for your spirit's strength to be with us as we move through this study together and as we look for ways that we can be, um, that we can act justly and love mercy in our day and time. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Last thing I want to mention to you is, um, well, just a couple of information about the series. Okay, so this, this is intended to be church-wide study. And uh, we've, we've started reprinting our small group discussion guides. So Ebony has, has printed one of those and sent it to all the small group leaders. Probably no small groups meeting today uh, because it's going to get worse this afternoon. That's okay. You can do it by Zoom or you can wait and do it the next week. But we do have discussion guides. If you're not in a small group and you just want to, like, you could take that discussion guide and discuss it with family, discuss it with friends, just dig a little bit deeper into the text. Uh, also, once we get into the practical aspects of justice, we're going to offer a discipleship class online that will dig just a little bit deeper into each of those topics. So these speakers have a very challenging topic. I mean, we're taking major topics that are very nuanced with a lot, a lot of information in them and saying, hey, can you do a 25-minute presentation on that? And so we're going to offer a discipleship class for people who want to go deeper and we're asking each speaker to give us resources, like give us books that we can read, give us websites that we can visit, things like that. 
And uh, actually, our Easter offering is going to center around each of the things that these folks talk about as well. Because we always give away our Easter offering, and that's our plan this year. But we want to give it to specific causes that are talking about and doing justice for the things that we're talking about. So, uh, as I said, it's a lot of guest speakers, and I'm excited about it because I'm looking forward to learning with you. So next week, I'm going to hand this platform over to one of our elders, Robert Jackson, and uh, he's an adjunct professor at uh, Lipscomb University as well. There's a picture of him right there. And uh, Robert's going to talk about justice in the Old Testament. And then the week following that, I'll be back and talk about justice in the New Testament. So uh, it's going to be a good study for us, and I'm looking forward to it. So thank you so much uh, for joining online today. I really appreciate it. And those of you in the room, thank you for being here uh, as well. We, we're really glad that you guys made it out today. And I'll see you next Sunday. Be careful going home. All right? And you guys be careful logging off the computer. It's a dangerous thing. <laughs> if you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.